This is the Grind It Podcast. We know just like grinding a handrail or across the coping can be challenging at times, so can life be. We share God's Word and personal stories to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. <laughs> Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. Today we're going to... Maybe finish up Romans 16. It depends on if we want to go uh, to a part two or not. We'll see how it goes. Um, but before we get started, we're going to uh, say a word of prayer. And I guess I will lead that prayer. Mm-hmm. It's a request, but you can lead the prayer at the end. <clears throat> Father, we just thank you for uh, your word. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you for uh, people like Paul, uh, who just literally gave his life for gospel's sake. Thank you for passing down the letters that he has written and others and just thank you that um, the wisdom that is in your word that just changes uh, the hearts of men and women and as we study Romans 16 this powerful book um, as we look at these greetings and, and the people that Paul mentions in their lives the people that supported his ministry and, and uh, really started these churches um, the courage that they had to do so in the face of adversity in the face of their enemies who Paul says that they should love and just thank you for their examples that have been passed down to us that we can find courage and strength and hope and thank you for your love your grace your tender mercies and this opportunity to study your word and just pray that uh, that your word not go forth for it but go out and change the, the lives of men and women who hear these this message today we just give you all the glory, honor, and praise. In Christ's name we pray, amen. <clears throat> so we come to the end of Romans, right, chapter 16, and it's been a good study. It's been challenging, uh, causing me to rethink some things and challenge myself to grow deeper in God's Word and closer to Christ. It's always a good thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so Paul is going to end his letter to the Church of Rome with a, a bunch of greetings to a lot of people. I, I, say, I think it's 29 individuals that he's going to mention and one of the, and what we're going to dig into today, he mentioned specifically ten women, and and so we're going to talk about uh, these women. Um, but a lot of people want to. I know I did when I was younger. I would skip these chapters. I would skip these chapters with the uh, the greetings, and I was like, there's you know, what's the point in reading these greetings? But once you actually dig into them, there's some interesting stuff in these greetings. So why why do we want to talk about these greetings? What could possibly get from uh, what could we possibly get from Paul telling these people to uh, greet one another and kiss one another with a, with a holy kiss and things like that? Um, but if we keep in mind, which it's been a while since we looked at chapter 15, but what he did talk about in chapter 15 is two main words, confidence and encouragement. Um, he and, and in chapter 16, he is calling people out by name and he's commending them for what they've done uh, for the kingdom and for his ministry. Um, and so we, as people in general, uh, we don't say thank you enough, really, if you think about it, people, especially people in the church, especially our preachers, our pastors, our elders and leaders. And we deacons. thank you. <laughs> yeah, we don't say thank you enough. Uh, we criticize a lot. But we don't say thank you enough. And so that, that's what Paul is doing in this chapter. He's, he's thanking a lot of people. He's calling people out by name and, and commending them for what they're doing in the Lord's kingdom, especially in the face of adversity and, and, and um, persecution. Um, and so he's really he's, he's speaking life into these people. He's building them up. Uh, and I guarantee you, because they would... They would and a lot of people say that Phoebe's the one that delivered this letter, but this letter would be read aloud uh, to this church. And, and Paul's calling people by name. You can just picture this, these people um, listening for their name being mentioned. I remember, uh, do you remember Romper Room? The show Romper Room? Did you ever oh, watch yeah. that as a kid? Uh-huh. And <laughs> Shelby's like, no. No, because you're too young. We're old. But it, it, at the end of Romper Room, she would always have the magic mirror. It didn't have anything in it. She could see right through it. But she's looking into a camera. But to, you know, five or six, seven-year-old, I can't remember how old I was while I was watching Romper Room. But she called people out by name. Do you remember that? She never called my name. 
I was so sad. And I, I'm sure she did on some episode that I wasn't watching. Right. But every episode I was watching, she never called my name. I was heartbroken. It just devastated me as a kid. Um, and so I can just picture these people at the church when this letter is being written. They're, they're waiting for their names um, to be called. Um, and so Paul is speaking life into these people. He's, he's speaking encouragement. And he's calling these people out by name. And in my opinion, it's, it's intentional what he's doing here. And I, I think we should do more of the same in, in the church. We need to call people out for the great things that, that they do. Um, especially those people in the back, mm. in the sound booth. <laughs> people like that. We appreciate you. <laughs> um, but one of the things that sticks out in particular, like I said, um, are the, Paul, out of the 29 people, um, that Paul mentions here in Romans 16, there, 10 of them are women, which is it, it, percentage-wise, it's 34%. And I wrote in my notes that, um, guys, that the, the women are the backbone of today's church. Say that again. <laughs> the women are the backbone of the church today because the men have become complacent and lazy, and we have lost our role as um, men in the church and stepping up and doing what what God has called us to do. Uh, so men, we got to step it up. But even back then, uh, even though it was men driven, women had roles. And, uh, and so I want to look at these 10 women today and, and talk about what is the role of women in the church? Because we're well aware, and that's what people jump to immediately when Paul is talking to the women in the church at Corinth and he says the women are to keep silent and and so that's what a lot of people jump to and is that what Paul means does he mean for the women to keep silent is the, is, are there roles that women can play in the church are there roles that women did play in the church mm -hmm. and, and, and I think we're going to see that in, in, uh, if we talk about or when we talk about these 10 women that Paul mentions here because uh, just right off the bat if Paul means for women to be silent then we have a country con if the women can't have roles in the church or can't be active in the church then we have a bad contradiction and the whole thing is null and void because we're going to see out of these 10 women that Paul mentions they had big roles major roles in the church and you know in particular, you are our worship leader at, at, at Authentic Church. So you have a major role because you're leading people by song to the throne of God every Sunday, every week. All right, so we're trying to take a look at these 10 women. If, you know, if we make it through. Can I read? Huh? Yeah, you can read that. So how far do you want me to go? As far as you want to I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church in Centuria. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and to give her any help she may need from you, for she has been the benefactor of many people, including me. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me, not only I, but all the churches and the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. Greet my friend, my dear friend, Epinetus, which was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles and they were in Christ before I was. Keep going? Sure. Okay. Greet Ampliatus, my dear friend in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our co-worker in Christ, and my dear friend Stachys. Greet Apelles, whose fidelity to Christ has stood the test. Greet those who belong to the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my fellow Jew. Greet those in the household of Narcissus, who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, those women who work hard in the Lord. Greet my dear friend Persis, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. 
Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me too. Greet Asyncrasis, Phlegon, Hermes, Patrobas, Hermas, and the other brothers and sisters with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, Nereus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the Lord's people who are with him. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send greetings. Well, you are brave. That was, that was a lot of hard names to pronounce. That was pretty good. You did well. You did well. So the the first person that Paul mentions, or the first woman that Paul mentions, uh, is Phoebe. Uh, I, I found an article written by Christopher Roy, and uh, uh, it's entitled "Women in Ministry," and, and he writes. Uh, this about Phoebe. It says in Romans 16, 1 and 2, it's a letter of recommendation for Phoebe who was traveling to Rome from the Corinthian port of Centria. And there is no indication of the nature of Phoebe's business in Rome or how long she intended to stay there, but the inclusion of the letter of the recommendation on her behalf suggests that uh, these churches or any anything else about those that she was a courier for Paul's letter. In other words, she, she brought the letter to the church mm -hmm. to have it read. Um, for our purposes, it is interesting that Paul identifies her not by occupation or by her husband's name, but rather according to her functions in the church, a deacon of the church in Centria. And this is where a lot of people get all up in arms because we think of the deacon as, you know, these men who are what the most, most of the American church models today, um, they have a pastor, a pastor, and then they have a bunch of deacons, I call them minions, um, which is not a very good church model because the old, in the New Testament, it's elders and deacons, um, but that's for another study. But um, like they say, the, the first deacons were, was it Acts? What, what, what chapter is in Acts when the, the widows, the Grecian widows and the Hebrew Widows are arguing over the food. They feel like they're being when left Stephen out. Stephen is being stoned, right? Acts chapter Is that Acts seven, chapter maybe? seven? I think so. Yeah, Acts chapter eight, Acts chapter seven. But those the, the apostle says we're not gonna deal with this. Well you you the church you can go pick seven men and they can um, take care of the situation. And they were called deacons. The same word that's used here for um uh, Phoebe. to describe Phoebe and the, the Greek word is diakonos um, I lost my spot uh, the Greek word is diakonos which means minister or servant so people get all up in arms when you say that she was a deacon um, which was a position in the church and they they go to uh, Paul's um uh, uh, Rules or whatever, however you want to say that. These rate, um, what's the word I'm His looking guidance. for? His guidance. His whatever. In Timothy and Titus, when he says, you know, uh, he's talking about uh, to be a, a pastor or deacon, mm -hmm. and he gives these qualifications. That's the word I'm looking for. Qualifications. And it says that, that he that he must be the husband of one wife, and there, therefore, there's no way a woman could be a deacon. Um, so. Whether this word means an officer in the church, it definitely means a minister or a servant. And this woman had a, a, what's the word I'm looking for? She had a, a high role. She was a high roller. <laughs> right. My, my footnote says when church related, as it is here, it probably refers to a specific office, a woman deacon or a deaconess. Yeah. The one who serves or ministers in any way. And there's people who make that argument. So you got two sides. Obviously, we don't know because we weren't there. And there's really not a whole lot of information besides what Paul gives us here about her. Um, but it is the same word for deacon, the office in the church. Um, but she had a prominent, that's the word I was looking for, a prominent position in the church. She's very important. And she's very important to Paul. Um, this guy says uh, 
Since Deacon is often used to identify an office, and since the narrow focus of the reversed telescope works to preclude the possibility that a woman could be a church officer, many seek to avoid calling Phoebe a deacon. But we might ask what function deacons performed in the New Testament churches. Simply put, the word diakonos, which means servant or deacon, or diakonia, service or ministry, or diakonien, means to serve, are used in the New Testament to describe two functions. On the one hand, these words apply to those who serve tables, Acts 6, 1 and 2, and by extension, any who attended to physical needs, Luke 8, 3, Colossians 1, 7. On the other hand, these words apply to themselves to those who perform certain liturgical functions in the church, notably teaching, Acts 6, 4, 20, 24, 1 Corinthians 3, 5, 2 Timothy 4, 5, and he says, Paul uses the words in both senses in Romans. That is, when he says he is on his way to Jerusalem ministering as diakonon to the saints, he has in mind his collection for famine relief, yet when he discusses the parts of the body, he includes the gift of ministry, diakonia, in a list with prophecy, teaching, and exhortation. And, and he ends by saying, although we cannot be certain uh, which form Phoebe's ministry took, Paul's identification of her as a deacon of the church suggests that she was formally designated to her task. So it, it just depends on who you ask, mm -hmm. basically. Because, I mean, you're going to get the churches who don't believe women can have roles in the church, and they're going to say, absolutely not. She cannot be a deacon. She cannot be a, a, in the position of a deacon in the church. And then you got churches who have women in role, uh, certain roles, and, and they say, absolutely, she was a deacon in the church because Paul says she was a deacon, and the word that was used in the Greek is the word for deacon. So, Who knows? We don't have enough information. So there's that. But you can't deny what is said here either. Right. That she certainly had a, a role in the church and in what the end of verse 2, for she has been the benefactor of many people, including me. Absolutely. Well, 100%. And I believe she, doesn't it say in one passage that she has a church in her home? I'll have to look that up. Let me look that up. Well, in the next couple of verses, it talks about Priscilla and Aquila and their, the church that meets at their home. But. Yeah. Phoebe, a servant of the church in Centria. Yeah. So, see, that version says, what is that, the non-inspired version? Yeah. Yeah. This Monday. one's also NIV, but it's in a new study Bible, and it's a newer version of it. Yeah. It's a servant. Um, so the second... The second per, uh, woman that Paul mentions is Priscilla, um, and I call them the dynamic duo of Aquila and Priscilla. Aquila being the husband, and Priscilla being the wife and the woman. Uh, oftentimes when we come across um, this husband and wife team in the book of Acts and in other places, because they're mentioned like six or seven times throughout the scriptures, uh, but Priscilla is mentioned first and then Aquila is mentioned. And a lot of scholars say that it's because she played a, prom a more prominent role uh, than her husband did when it came to the gospel and, and sharing Jesus with people. Um, there's all kinds of studies you know, that, that I've done about this, but I went to a website called Bible Odyssey, and this is what it says about Priscilla and Aquila. It says they're mentioned by name six times in the New Testament, and they're always together as a couple, every time. And it gives the verses um, that, that where they're mentioned. It says they exercised leadership among the fledging churches, and were held in high esteem. Their partnership highlights one one model of ministry in the early church. 
uh, Romans 16, verse 7, and 1 Corinthians 9, 5. Paul calls them his co-workers in preaching the gospel. He praises their willingness to risk their necks to help him. So they, they literally put their lives on the line for Paul. Romans 16, 3 and 4. And twice notes that churches meet in their homes. Romans 16, verse 5, 1 Corinthians 16, 9. So this power couple had a church that met in their home. And uh, we'll see some things here in a minute. But I guarantee you Priscilla had a lot to do with what was going on in her home, in that church. Wasn't there, don't know for sure, but I bet she did from the, what we read, what Paul says about them. Um, Prisca is, is her name, and it's a, it's a Latin name meaning venerable. Um, but the diminutive form of her name is Priscilla, and most people know her as Priscilla and Aquila. Uh, she may have held a higher social status than her husband Aquila, for her name appears before his four times. Acts 18, 18, Acts 18, 26, Romans 16, 3, and 2 Timothy 4, 19. In contrast to the usual custom of the leading of with the husband's name. So her name is mentioned first, four different times. All named women in Acts were, are wealthy women. They have money. Uh, with the exceptions of Mary, Jesus' mother, and Rhoda. But you would think Jesus' mom had money because when uh, uh, when Jesus was born, they they brought you know, all those gifts and there's some money in those gifts. But you know we know we know that she was poor because when Jesus was circumcised at the temple, they were they offered uh, more when he was dedicated, yes. yeah, turtle doves, which was the poor man's offering. Um, but all women in Acts were wealthy they were mentioned except for uh, Mary Jesus' mom and Rhoda thus increasing the likelihood that Priscilla had some means uh, although we should not imagine her as a middle class westerner uh, the order might also signal Priscilla's superior teaching capabilities for when uh, Acts 18.26 notes that the couple taught Apollos her name appears first and I'll I brought those scriptures out. I'll read that here in just a second. Uh, but some scholars argue that she is the author of the New Testament book of Hebrews. And yes, I wrote a 25-page paper on who is the author of Hebrews. And she was one of the ones that, that I had to write about as the author of Hebrews. And, and the reason why I say, people say that, uh, that she could have been the author of that is because that book has a lot of Paul, Paul's flavor. Mm -hmm. And they hung around Paul for a long time, and being a woman, she would not, her name would not be mentioned as an author, because of the, the, the status of women back then, which was not very good. Um, but Jesus, you know, well, we can talk about this right quick if you want to, because we talk, we we talk, we discussed this the other day at your mom's. But the the women back in Jesus' day, Jesus literally brought women out to the forefront. He elevated their he, status. He elevated their status, yeah. Because through, all throughout the Old Testament, like you burn biscuits or whatever, they, they, a man could divorce a woman for any reason. They were, you said that they were looked on as property. Thanks is what you, right. is the word that you used. And, and so uh, we know that Jesus had women that followed him. Luke tells us that. And that they su literally supported his supported, ministry. Yeah, not with just cooking meals. But, but they had money and and they would uh, contribute to his ministry. He says that um, most ancient women are not identified by their occupation. However, in Acts 18.3, it states that they, Aquila and Priscilla, shared the same trade with Paul, which is probably how they met Paul when, when they were at Corinth because they were tent makers. And in Acts 18, 1 through 3, um, is when we're first introduced to uh, Priscilla and Aquila. It says that Paul left Athens and went to Corinth, and there he became acquainted with a Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently arrived from Italy with his wife, Priscilla. And they had left Italy when Claudius Caesar deported all Jews from Rome. And Paul lived and worked with them, for they were tent makers, just as he was. So they're, they're living in community and they're making tents and they're raising money for their own ministry. 
Um, in Acts 18, 18 through 28, is the next time that we're told about Priscilla and Aquila. And this is one of the ones where Priscilla is mentioned first. And it says, They set sail for Syria, taking Priscilla and Aquila with him. And they stopped first at the port of Ephesus, where Paul left the others behind. And while he was there, he went to the synagogue to reason with the Jews. And they asked him to stay longer, but he declined. And as he left, however, he said, I will come back later, God willing. And then he set sail from Ephesus. And the next stop was at the port of Caesarea. From there, he went up and visited the church of Jerusalem and then went back to Antioch. And after spending some time in Antioch, Paul went back through Galatia and Phrygia, visiting and strengthening all the believers. This is his second missionary journey. Uh, meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, an eloquent speaker who knew the scriptures well, had arrived in Ephesus from Alexandria in Egypt. He had been taught the way of the Lord, and he taught others about Jesus with an enthusiastic spirit and with accuracy. However, he knew only about John's baptism, John the Baptist. And when Priscilla, so see she's mentioned first again here, when Priscilla and Aquila heard him preaching boldly in the synagogue, they took him aside and explained the way of God even more accurately. And Apollos had been thinking about going to Achaia, and the brothers and sisters in Ephesus encouraged him to go. And they wrote to the believers in Achaia, asking them to welcome him. And when he arrived there, he proved to be of great benefit to those who, by God's grace, had believed. And he refuted the Jews with powerful arguments and public debate. Using the scriptures, he explained to them, that Jesus was the Messiah. So you got this guy, Apollos, he's out there preaching Jesus. He's preaching with fervency. He's preaching with fire. It, obviously, he's winning people to Christ, mm -hmm. but he's baptizing them in, in the name of John. <laughs> that was a big no-no. Even though John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. Right. Um, but, you know, John said, I got to de decrease, and Jesus has to increase. And Jesus died on the cross. He's gone back to the Father. And to get the Holy Spirit, you had to be baptized in the name of Jesus. And so um, they hear this guy preaching, Aquila and Priscilla pull him aside and talk to him and put him on the right road. Wait, they don't put him on blast on Facebook? <laughs> no. No, they pull him off to the side and oh, explain to him a better way. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. I was wondering why you called me out of the other day on Facebook. No, I was kidding. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 16, 19, um, Paul said, The churches here in the province of Asia send greetings in the Lord, as do Aquila and Priscilla and all the others who gather in their home for church meetings. Mm -hmm. That's the New Living Translation. But they, they, so this power couple has a, a church in their home. Um, so we have uh, Phoebe. Was that the first one? Mm-hmm. Phoebe, Priscilla, Aquila. Yeah. And then Mary. Not you, Mary, but a different Mary. You'd be, like, really old. And, uh, okay. What? I'm going to say Epinetris, but I'm assuming that's male. Yeah, I think that one is a um, dude. In verse 6, he says, Give my greetings to Mary, who has worked so hard for your benefit. Um obviously this woman has been practicing what Paul just taught. She's not been selfish, but instead she's been working hard for the Lord on behalf of others. And Paul calls her out to recognize her hard work and to show his appreciation. And I'm telling you, we don't say thank you enough. And when we do say thank you, it just encourages people to keep on doing what they're doing, to do more of it. Because when, you, when, you, when you're not, when you don't feel appreciated, you, know, you kind of have a tendency to draw back and not Right, which is why he tells us not to grow weary in well-doing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because obviously we can grow weary in well-doing. <laughs> but when you know that your hard work is appreciated by others, then it tends to motivate us to continue continue doing it. I couldn't imagine how church work, kingdom work, could be making somebody weary. What? I mean, it's just preaching on Sundays. <laughs> There's so much more than that, right? I mean, all you do is pick a few songs and sing them on Sunday. Right. So. That's what people think, anyway. So, yeah. We need to be thinking our, our church leaders a whole lot more. And the, the, not just our church leaders, but our Sunday school teachers and our sound people, the people who set up communion. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of stuff that goes on that 
people don't see behind the scenes. I believe the church sent out an email about um, pastor appreciation and minister appreciation at the beginning of this yeah. month. Yeah. So, send a thank you to your pastor, your ministry leader, your worship leader, Elders your leaders. prayer group leader, yeah. your sound small text. group leader, your sound techs, yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, another power couple, uh, we always think of Priscilla and Aquila, but there's another one in verse 7, Andronicus and, is it Junia? Junia. Junia. I want you to do me a favor. Now, I know you listen to some good music, but I want to tell you about some great music. My friend Mary Gamboa, and she's also the worship leader at Authentic Church where I worship, she has released a new album entitled Jealous, and you can check that album out at marygamboamusic.com. That's Mary G A M B O A music.com also we would love to have you worship with us at authentic church at 322 lindsay street here in alcoa and we start at 10 a.m on sunday morning come see us um so again just picking random stuff off the internet which is dangerous um this guy he mentions uh hunia Talking about Paul mentioning um, this woman. Uh, she's mentioned by Apostle Paul in his letter to the Romans. And he says it, she is a woman who is identified, whose ministry has been uh, much discussed in the past few decades. It was first debated whether she was a woman or a man. Um, but the overwhelming evidence from inscriptions and other ancient sources indicates that Hunia was a common name for a woman whereas the masculine equivalent, Hunias, is non-existent. Practically all early Christian writers took Hunia to be a woman, and the consensus among the present scholars is the same. Hunia was a woman. Junia, Hunia, however you say her name. So this debate has been resolved. The debate then shifted as to whether Hunia was an apostle or not. Now that's huge, because we just talked about Deacons, right. being, yeah, a deacon. So is this woman an apostle or not? So the word apostle is translated from the Greek word apostolos and refers to a person sent on a mission. In the first century of the Christian movement, and in more recent centuries, women have served as missionaries without causing too much controversy. Yet, uh, there is controversy over Hunia's ministry. Uh, the debate whether about whether Hunia was outstanding among the apostles or, as some argue, that she was well known to the apostles and not an apostle herself, has not been resolved. But either way, Hunia was a prominent figure in, a, in, a, in the apostolic church. Hunia and her partner, Andronicus, were not part of the Twelve, but they were well-known and respected Christian missionaries. And see, the hard, the hard, what makes it so hard to discuss is we're not going to know the answer because we're not there and there's not enough information. Because the only thing we know about these people is what Paul writes in his in his greetings and so you're trying to read in between the lines and things like that and I've got some footnotes here that say that Junia or Hunia is definitely a feminine name Andronicus and Junia may have been a husband and wife yeah. like Priscilla and Aquila uh, and probably Philologus and Julia and the term among the apostles there are two possible interpretations one being that apostles is used in a wider sense than the original 12 to include preachers of the gospel that were recognized by the early churches um, and then the second possible explanation is that apostles is here preceded by the definite article this may indicate that the 12 are in view if that is the case then the meaning would be that these two persons were outstanding in the opinion of the apostles. Yeah. Still, obviously, they were well-known in the early church, and it says that they are outstanding. In the church of Rome, yeah. Yeah, and the, again, they would have played a prominent role in, in that church. They were very well-respected as a power couple, mm -hmm. and Hunia would you know, be a part of that. She wouldn't be sitting off in the corner while her husband was doing all the talking. 
which is what I started off with. You know, if, if Paul if Paul says if I, mean, I know he says it for the women in the church to be silent, but if that's if that's what he means, then then what's going on in the church at Rome? It's not what's going on in the church at Corinth. Mm-hmm. We'll come back to that if I don't forget toward the end. <laughs> Relatives who have been imprisoned, I mean, mm-hmm. they're not spoken. And, right, if they're imprisoned. Right. Yeah. 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 And that's and that, that's a whole nother. We talked a little bit about that about how the church is in persecution here with these people. What they, you know, when he even said Priscilla and Aquila had risked their lives, they literally put their lives on the line to help Paul with his ministry. Mm-hmm. That's just huge. Because we're looking at this through Western eyes in 2023, where we don't have very much persecution. So we, it's easy for us to sit here and say, well, she wasn't a deacon. <laughs> right? She was a deacon. Um, there's two more women that are mentioned in verse 12 when Paul says, Give my greetings to Trophina and Trophosa, the Lord's workers. And most scholars say that these two are possibly sisters and perhaps twins, which would be pretty cool. We aren't told much about these two, but only that they are workers for the Lord. And then in verse 12, we have Persis that's mentioned. And Paul says she has worked hard for the Lord. She worked hard for the Lord. Dun, dun, dun. Plus, my, my footnote here says Persis means Persian woman. Persian woman. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Um, let's see. I'm trying to figure out what my notes say here. Paul says she has worked hard for the Lord. Same man, same article, like Epinetus, Ampliatus, and Stychus. I can't mention them like you did. Three men that are mentioned in the same verse with her, verse 12. Paul refers to Persis, a woman, as a dear friend or beloved. Uh, the, the apostle regarded these four people with warm affection, but in the greeting to Persis, Paul uses a definite article instead of the pronoun equivalent to my in Romans 16, verse 5, 8, and 9. This may be Paul's way of saying that Persis was not just loved by him, she was also loved by the church. Mm. Furthermore, Paul refers to the ministry of Persis, something he doesn't do for the other three men. So he specifically mentions this woman by name and her ministry and how she worked hard for the Lord. He doesn't say that about those three men. Mm-hmm. But he, he pulls this woman out and draws her out and gives her attention. Calls her out to talk about uh, her hard work for the Lord. Then in verse 13, we have Rufus's mom. I just want to ask her why she named her son Rufus. Mm. Greet Rufus, whom the Lord picked out to be his very own, and also his dear mother, who has been a mother to me. Uh, Rufus may be a son of... This is not my notes. This is just something that... Um, well, it actually goes back to the article that I mentioned earlier. Uh, Rufus may be the son of Simon Sereni. Uh, the man who was forced to carry Jesus' cross. And it says in C. Mark 15, 21. Paul describes Rufus as chosen or elect. And this is the same word used to describe the lady addressed in 2 John and her sister. Rufus's mother is the eighth woman listed in Romans 16, 1-16. And Paul says nothing about her except, or nothing about her ministry except that she acted or ministered in a maternal way towards him like a mom. The fact that she is not named may be a mark of respect and perhaps indicates that she is an older person. And then you've already mentioned the next couple uh, from verse 15, uh, Philologus and Julia. Julia, Julia. This is a third dynamic duo. Um, but Paul doesn't say anything about them. But it's a, it's a husband and wife team. Mm-hmm. So there's actually three uh, husband and wife teams that uh, Paul mentions at this church in Rome. Then uh, the next one um, is a brother and sister. Nereus and his sister. Yeah, Nereus and his sister. And for some reason, Paul doesn't mention the sister's name. Mm-hmm. He mentions the, the guy's name, but not the sister. 
Um, you ever have those moments of like trying to remember, you know, this guy's sister. Yeah, can't remember her name. They came to church that day, or so and so's mom, or mm -hmm. it happens to the best of us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so in his article, the, the, I meant, the guy's name that I mentioned, I'm not even scrolling through my notes to find his name. But, uh, he said the Greek grammar shows that uh, Philologus and Julia are a couple. They, along with Nereus and his sister, as well as Olympus, were probably all prominent members of a house church. Or perhaps they are the hosts and leaders of three different house churches in Rome. Mm -hmm. But they're, you, know, you don't have enough information. And so you're, you're just trying to dig in between the lines to figure this stuff out. Um, but just from looking at these 10 women, it's clear and evident that women played a prominent role in the church at Rome, right? Um, but before we move on, um, and if we want to add what you want to talk about at the end of the podcast, we can. Um, but before moving on, I want to point out that God used women like Mary Magdalene, who had been filled with demons, right? Jesus cast demons out of her at one point. Uh, she was the first person to proclaim the resurrection. Mm -hmm. She's a woman, right? She, Jesus said, go back and tell my brethren that uh, I'm alive. And that's what she did. She goes back and she tells them. And then Peter and John take off to the tomb. And they discover that the tomb is empty, just like she had said. Um, in Acts chapter 16, uh, Paul and Silas are in Troas when Paul has a vision that we call the Macedonian call. Hey, come on over here and preach the gospel to us. Mm -hmm. Well, in verses 9 and 10, it says, That night Paul had a vision. A man came from Macedonia in northern Greece and was standing there pleading with him, Come over here to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave from Macedonia at once. That would be Paul, Silas, and um, Luke. Who, when he says we, because he, he was the author of Acts. Um, it says, so we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. So notice it's a man mm -hmm. in, the, in the vision, right? The man says, come over here and help us. So you would think that when Paul reaches Macedonia, there's going to be a, some men waiting on him, and they want to hear the gospel. Well, Paul's there for several days, and nobody shows up. There's nobody there. So he, he goes looking. And so he goes down to the river to pray. No, he goes down to the river. And there on the banks of the, river, of the river is a group of women. And they're having like a little prayer meeting. And so Paul starts talking to them. And then he starts telling them about Jesus. And then this woman named Lydia decides, who, who was a, a worshiper of God? That's what they were doing there anyway. They were worshiping God. Um, but Lydia decides that she wants to give her life to Jesus. And Paul baptizes her. And it's on from there. Um, so the Macedonian call, actually, it may have been a man in the vision, but it was women who were converted to Jesus. First, yeah. First, yeah, in Macedonia. Uh, and, and if I'm not mistaken, is she a Gentile woman or is she a Jew? I want to say she was Gentile. I know she was a seller of purple and she had money. Mm -hmm. In verses 11 through 15, this is what... Uh, Luke writes, he says, We boarded a boat at Troas and sailed straight across to the island of Samothrace. And the next day we landed at Neapolis. From there we reached Philippi, a major city of that district of Macedonia, and a Roman colony. This is after they got the, Roman, the, the Macedonian call. And we stayed there for several days. On the Sabbath we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer. And we sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. One of them was Lydia of Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshiped God. As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart and she accepted what Paul was saying. She and her household were baptized and she asked us to be her guests. If you agree that I am a true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she urged us until we agreed. And then Paul uh, stays there for a little while and he's ministering to people. And there's this little girl slave girl that's following him around and and calling you know calling him out and so he gets frustrated one day and just casts a demon out of the girl and so paul and silas are put in prison and uh once they get out of prison um 
they return back to Lydia's house. Uh, and it says um, in verse 40, when Paul and Silas left the prison, they returned home, or they returned to the home of Lydia. There they met with the believers and encouraged them once more, and then they left town. So in other words, the Macedonian call didn't start with men, it started with women. Mm -hmm. This woman named Lydia, who and her household were baptized, and now a church has begun there in Macedonia, and they met in the home of Lydia, mm -hmm. which would make Lydia a leader in that church. Mm -hmm. In Acts 21, verse 9, Paul, or, I'm sorry, Philip had four virgin daughters that prophesied. Mm -hmm. right? So obviously, if Paul says the women are to remain silent in the church, well, what, what about Paul, what about Philip's four daughters that prophesied? Where do they have an opportunity to who exercise they, that gifting? Yeah. Who are they prophesying to? The church. So, so going back to the church at Corinth, um, where Paul says the women are to keep silent, you, you have to put that verse in context. And the church at Corinth had a few issues. They actually had a lot of issues. They had major problems. <laughs> One is they were getting drunk with the communion, taking communion. And uh, another one is that uh, the young man was sleeping with his stepmom and they were bragging about it instead of shutting, shutting it down, you know, and telling him to repent. So they had a, they had a, there was a lot of division in that church too. I was baptized by this guy, I was baptized by this person, who, so on and so forth. Um, but one of the problems that they had were uh, where the women were usurping authority over the men. And Paul said, you, you gotta know your own. And that's why he would tell them to um, keep silent in the church because they um, were usurping their authority over the men. Um, this is what I wrote my notes. To me, it sounds like uh, as if these women at this church at Corinth were at a local beauty salon where all the gossip takes place and they're running their mouths. Mm. It's a lot of gossip. A lot of gossip. And so Paul says, keep your mouth shut because he's talking to, um, they're, they're running their mouths and they're gossiping um, with these women in the church. And then in Romans uh, 16, if I can get my notes right, he says, women keep your mouth shut because if he is talking to all the women in the church, then Romans 16 needs to be ripped out of our Bibles along with the other passages where women served in the church. And I already mentioned in Luke 8, 1 through 3, where Jesus mentions, or Luke mentions that Jesus had women followers that helped his ministry. And that's Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. So starting at verse 16 of Romans 16, greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send greetings. That was the last portion of what we just read and talked about. So then he goes on to say, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you've learned. Keep away from them, just like you were saying, right? Don't, don't do or encourage the things that cause division. What has he been saying in the previous chapters? Unity. Mm -hmm. Right, um, for us to come together and encourage one another. Come together. But don't do anything that, that is going to put obstacles in your way or contrary to the teaching that you have learned. Keep away from them. For such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Everyone has heard about your obedience, so I rejoice because of you. But I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The God of our Lord Jesus be with you. Timothy, my co-worker, sends his greetings to you, as do Lucius, Jason, and Sosipater, my fellow Jews. I, Tertius, who wrote down this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, whose hospitality I and the whole church here enjoy, sends you his greetings. Erastus, who is the city's director of public works, and our brother Quartus send you their greetings. 
So obviously, according to the verbiage here, I urge you, brothers and sisters, he wasn't just talking to the men. He was talking to the women as well. But he's warning us against the people who cause division to stay away from them. Yeah. What were you bring, What were you going to bring out from Ephesians 3? Um, Did you get, I don't think you read far enough down. Right. That has to do with the last few verses. You want me to keep going? Yeah. Okay. So starting at verse 25. Now to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith, to the only wise God, be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, the language in those last few verses just reminded me of Ephesians chapter 3. Um, now, part of Ephesians says, right, to him who is able. He is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above what we ask or think. Right. To him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel. But I think the part that jumped out at me more than anything was in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed. So there is something that has been hidden, um, concealed for a time, and is now being revealed through these prophetic writings. So flip to Ephesians chapter 3. Um, starting at verse 7. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery. Key word there, right? Yeah. Um, administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. So again, he's talking about this mystery that has been concealed and is now being revealed. Things that God has kept hidden and now is, is being um, unveiled. Yeah. And that he's using the church to do it. Man and woman. Right. Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known. Not just in the natural realm, but in, in the heavenly realm. Right? To the rulers and the authority in the heavenly realms. We're talking about to spiritual powers. Yeah. Where does it talk about the angels? That look, they want to look into to what's going on in the church. Right. Oh, the remember. angels long to look into these yeah. things. So that, it just reminded me of that passage of scripture. Now being revealed back to Romans 16. Um, in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith. Now, this is the Jew of Jews, right? Pharisee of Pharisees. A man to who, before he met Jesus, would have been like, no, we don't throw our pearls before swine. Yeah. We, don't, we don't throw the wisdom of God before people, the dogs or the, the Gentiles, the people who are outside of the covenant. But now he's saying, no, this, this mystery of God is to be revealed not only to the Jews, to, to God's people, but to the Gentiles and all the nations outside of the covenant. Both men and women. Right, because he wants them to come to obedience that comes from faith. That's one thing I never understood why you know, a, lot of, a lot of Christians and a lot of churches and a lot of, uh, they, they say that okay men, the preacher has to do the baptizing. Like if somebody wants to become a Christian, they want to be baptized. The preacher has to be the one to be baptized. And like when you know when you shared uh, Jesus with Shelby, Shelby's like, okay, I I, I want to accept Christ. 
What did I tell you? I said, Mary, Mary should baptize you when we go to the river. And that was my suggestion to, to her. Uh, it didn't have to be me. It doesn't, doesn't have to be Pastor James. You share Christ with her, you baptize her. You're, you're, you're more than qualified. You've been watching the blood of Christ. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. You've walk, been walking with Jesus for over 20 years. Right. You're qualified to do that. It doesn't have to be a man to do that. Amen. Uh, that passage is in First First uh, Peter chapter 1. Um, concerning the salvation the prophets and who spoke who spoke of the grace that was come to you searched intent searched intently and with the greatest care trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the spirit of christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the messiah and the glories that would follow it was revealed to them there it is your word revealed it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of these things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. Therefore, with the minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. Now to wrap up Romans chapter 16 with um, Paul's greetings and the church there's made up of men and women, Jew and Gentile. There's, what, what, what does Paul say? Is it Galatians or Colossians? There's, there's neither male nor female. There's neither Jew nor Greek. Mm -hmm. You know, it all goes slave back to... Slave nor free. Yeah, slave and free. It goes back to unity. We're all one in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's a place for everybody. There's a place for men. Men need to step up to the plate and, and, and do their work. And, uh, and there's a place, there's roles for women. And, um, and, together Jew and Gentile which have been really hard back in those days when Paul's writing these letters which is why he's being chased from city to city um, because the Jews did not want the Gentiles involved and and we see that in the book of Romans he's telling him he's telling the Jews you know don't think highly of yourselves you know and, and then he's telling the Gentiles hey because the Jews rejected Jesus you're now grafted in now you're a part of the root system so you better be thankful that the Jews rejected Jesus and then he's going to end it up uh, mentioning these men and women and uh, to be confident and to, uh, what was the other word? Uh, uh, encouraged mm -hmm. in Christ. And so that's, uh, it's been a good study. It's been a very powerful book. Um, I think we're going to go to Mark next, right? Mm -hmm. And that'll finish up the four Gospels for, for the, the Grounded Podcast because I've already covered John, Luke, and Matthew. So we'll do we'll start Mark next week. So won't you end this with a prayer? And did you have something else to say? I have a I have another scripture reference, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I'll I'll pray it out. How about that? No, you can say it. So in okay. Romans sixteen, verse twenty five, not to him who is able. Right? And here it says to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel. But again, the same verbiage comes up in Jude. And this is how uh my one of my former pastors Charles Flowers love you Pastor Charles um, would say he would dismiss us often that's the doxology at the end of um, the book of Jude now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only wise God our Father our Savior be glory majesty power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Father, thank you that you are able. You are able to present us faultless before the throne. You are able to keep us from stumbling. You are able, oh God, to establish us in accordance with this gospel, with this truth, with this good news. So thank you that you, you root us, find us rooted and grounded deeply in your word, established in your presence and in the Holy Spirit. Give us wisdom to live out this word, not to be hearers of it only, but to be doers of your word. And that because of our witness, 
in the world around us, Lord, that you would expand your kingdom. You would cause others to be drawn to your light. As we lift you up, Lord, you draw them into yourself. Thank you that your word goes forth with power to heal and save and deliver. It doesn't come back void, but it accomplishes what it is sent out to do. We give you glory. We praise you in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Keep running. One of these days we're going to go like one, two, three. Keep grinding. <laughs> Everybody, keep grinding. Thanks for listening to the Grinded Podcast. If we could pray for you or encourage you in any way, please email us at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com or you can text us at 865-418-2824. If you're watching on YouTube, please click like and subscribe and you'll be notified about new episodes. If you're listening on an app, leave us a five-star review, but most importantly, share the Grinded Podcast with a friend. God bless you and remember, keep grinding.